Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. And now, battle ready with Father Dan Rehill. Good day. Welcome to Battle Ready. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, my God, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer thee the precious blood of Jesus from all the altars throughout the world, joining with it the offering of my every thought, word, and action this day for the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It's good to be with you. Today we have a very special guest who um, I'm going to bring on just a second. Uh, we're going to be talking today about um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel and the brand scapular. And today uh, we have with us Father Jeffrey Kirby, who is going to be one of our newest presenters that will begin, oh, I guess in just about 10 or, uh, 10 or 11 days or so. Uh, and so welcome, Father Jeff Kirby. Thank you, Father. It's good to be on the show. Thank you. So... Um, a little bit about yourself. Um, you you have quite a resume. You're a pastor, a speaker, a writer. I think you've got about almost two dozen books under your belt, and also a podcaster. What should our listeners know about you? Yeah, so I would say ultimately, um, all those are, are things that uh, I, I try to do to help you know the work of evangelization. But you know, the thing that I would hope that most people know about me is that uh, I seek to be as faithful a disciple of Jesus Christ as possible. Uh, that that's the foundation that we all have heard the call of the Lord Jesus. We try to fan in the flame the graces of the sacraments that we've received, and then to follow His way and to be faithful to Him. So, uh, all these other things are, are part of resumes. They're, they have their place. But you know, what I would want people to know most about me is that I try every day to respond to the love that the Lord shows me and to love Him and follow Him faithfully in, in everything I do. What's been um, the most rewarding part of your work as a priest? Yeah, so definitely um, the sacraments. And of course, the Eucharist is, is the highlight of, of my day. The Sunday Mass is the highlight of my week when the vast majority of the people of God come together. Um, by extension of that, I'd say the sacraments of healing. So hearing confessions, anointing the sick and, and being with the sick is, you know, is, is um, both a, a act of oblation, but also there's uh, a, a, a a strong act of uh, encouragement, and, and you know, it just kind of puts us right in the, in the situation of knowing, you know, what this really is all about. That ultimately, uh, we desire the healing and the mercy of God, and the more we are able to recognize that we need those and avail ourselves of them, then the more we are able to receive them. And so, to witness that type of faith and humility among God's people uh, is always very rewarding and, and convicting to me in my own discipleship. So. So I love the sacraments. I love preaching. I love, you know, being among people. I love getting to know their stories and how God has worked in them and through them. And I uh, just love being a priest. I, I love my vocation in light of my Christian discipleship. So to be a disciple and priest, uh, you know, it, it's it's a wonderful life. And you are coming to us from uh, South Carolina? Absolutely. Yeah, greatest state in the union. Don't be jealous. <laughs> I I'm not. <laughs> uh, Our Lady of Grace. That's right. I, I love the title of our church. We're one of the newest parishes in the in, in the country. We're only about six years old. 
Uh, I, I was blessed to be um, the founding pastor uh, of the parish, and, um, and I love that we had the title. It was Padre Pio's favorite title of Our Lady, and um, I love it, Our Lady of Grace, yes. Oh, I didn't know that. All right, so today, um, let's talk, we, we just, this past Sunday would have been uh, the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. In fact, it is, but because it's a Sunday, Sunday trumps uh, memorial. So, um, I know you wanted to talk about the scaffold, but what, where do you want to jump in? Yeah, so I, I think that, you know, maybe just to, to help some people, just in case if there's some newer Christians or people who are just beginning to, to take those initial steps of, of deeper discipleship, uh, they might hear scaffold and they might not be aware of, of what it is. Um, I'll tell you, Father, one thing that uh, I, I've learned more and more as a priest is that the, the basics— um, the basics are lost. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, so to help maybe just people when they hear a scapular, um, there are multiple different scapulars in the life of the church. They're, they're indicated by their color in, in popular conversation. And, and a scapular is just two small pieces of wool that are connected by strings and are worn over the shoulders. So one part of the scapular is on the front of the person. The other part of the scapular is on their back. And, you know, the different scapulars have different designations in the life of the church. And so when we talk about a scapular, that's what we're referencing. It's, it's actually a physical, you know, sacramental, a physical devotional within the life of the church. It's an abbreviated form of the longer scapular that are worn by religious brothers, the Carmelite religious brothers and sisters. So there's, of course, our full body scapulars. They cover their full uh, front and, and, and back. Um, the scapular that we wear as uh, diocesan priests, as members of the laity, is an abbreviated scapular. So just maybe start with that in terms of what is a scapular. I had one person, they thought the whole time I was talking about a spatula. <laughs> like from the kids. Oh, you know, wow. You know, and they were so well, good. Yeah. Yeah, you can see how, yes, even in confession, the little kids, um, when they're learning the... Um, uh, the uh, act, the act of their uh, what is it called? The um, oh, act of contrition. Act of contrition. Yeah. And they're hardly sorry. I said, no, 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 no. You are sorry. You're not hardly sorry. It's heartily. So we right. don't use that word anymore. But yeah. for those who who know Saint Therese or Saint Teresa from her statues or paintings or pictures, you know, it's the large panel in the that goes over the front and back of the brown. That's that's part of the habit. It's called the scapula, right? So our, for the lay people and even for priests who are not uh, Carmelites, you know, we have the little maybe one and a half, two inch rectangle of wool that hangs on the front and back in place of that. Yeah, good explanation. Yes, yes. And I think maybe going from there, um, you know, there's a beautiful history to the brown scapular. Um, there's a spirituality of, of Mount Carmel. And, and then um, some of the... Uh, lessons of the scapular and some of the promises of Our Lady that are associated with it. And and, and, and maybe uh, before diving into those, just to, to clarify, when I talk about the other scapulars, because you know, people always ask me, um, you know, they'll see like the green scapular. I think the green scapular is probably one of the more popular after the brown scapular. And uh, green scapular is usually worn for conversions or for the restoration of health. 
Um, the black scapular is usually worn during times of great suffering. I know that's recently found a lot of um, an up an increase in popularity among cancer patients and so on. But what's interesting about all the other scapulars is that most of them are only worn situationally, whereas the brown scapular is, it, it might be the only scapular that is actually worn for life. So one is invested in the brown scapular and is normally expected to wear the brown scapular for the duration of their lives, whereas you know green scapular is worn for restoration of health, health is restored, then the green scapular is no longer worn, and, and so on. So while we talk about these different scapulars, and just to make people aware of them, because they might see them, white scapular, the black scapular, blue scapular, and so on, um, just to realize why the brown scapular is so preeminent among the scapulars is because it really is uh, seen as a lifelong devotion that one wears the brown scapular for life, whereas that's not the case uh, with the other scapulars. Okay. So maybe um, would you like to go to the history or spirituality? Where, where, where do you where would you like to go first? All right, maybe the history um, of Carmel. Yeah. So first of all, uh, I know Father, you were also recently in the Holy Land, and and, and I was also recently there. And any of the viewers or listeners who have um, gone to the Holy Land, they're aware that when we talk about Mount Carmel, it's actually a real mountain range uh, in the northern part of the Holy Land. And, and sometimes, as obvious and simple as it could be, I just like to stress that it is a real place. <laughs> yeah. And because sometimes, for some reason, when it comes to the scriptures, people think everything is figurative or merely symbolic. But Mount Carmel is actually a real place. You can go there. You can walk on Mount Carmel. You can visit Stella Maris Church uh, there at Mount Carmel. And, and when we talk about Mount Carmel, oftentimes people can think, well, it, it must just be one mountain, right? Like uh, Mount Tabor uh, and so on. But Mount Carmel is actually a whole mountain range. And it covers the north of the Holy Land. And it protected God's people from invading enemies. And it touches the Mediterranean. So it was actually a place for water. So the mountain, the Mount Carmel range, uh, mountain range became known as a place of protection and a place of rejuvenation. And those were practical things. And so from there, spiritual things began to be developed. So, so oftentimes in the spiritual life, our spiritual things are built on natural things. The supernatural, you know, is built upon the natural. And, and so because of Mount Carmel being a place of protection and, and, and refreshment, rejuvenation, these became expressions for God. God is our protector. God is the source of our refreshment. God is the living water and so on. These became very popular. And so holy people were very attracted to Mount Carmel. Uh, the prophets in the Old Testament, Old Testament loved Mount Carmel. They would go there in order to be with God, to be protected by him, to receive refreshment, rejuvenation from him. Of course, there's powerful stories of the prophet Elijah, who is the, fa the father of all prophets. Uh, there at Mount Carmel is, is, is competition with the priests of Baal, where he humbles them by calling down the fire of God upon a sacrifice and showing the majesty and the power of the living and true God. So powerful, powerful story. So, you know, early in the Christian tradition, men and women, uh, because of the prominence of Mount Carmel, became uh, very attached to it and, and felt a call to basically live as hermits. They're at the base of Mount Carmel. And, and as they were living their her the eremitical life, so living as hermits uh, there throughout Mount Carmel, because there's all these tunnels and, and caves throughout Mount Carmel, that as they were doing this, they developed this very 
uh, keen spirituality, the Carmelite spirituality of, of listening to God, waiting for God, being in a posture of receptivity. Now, <laughs> as soon as I begin to describe all this, those are everything our culture is not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. which shows how needed the Carmelite spirituality is. And, and these early hermits, they, they nurtured that. They had powerful um, you know, apparitions and miracles from Our Lady. And so early on, they placed themselves under the protection of Our Lady. And by extension, they referred to her as Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And that devotion grew. And then fast forward to the 13th century, uh, the needs of the church uh, required um, you know, itinerant preachers, so uh, mendicants, it's a Latin word, it means beggars, so if you think of like Franciscans or Dominicans, so at the same time that God was raising up the Franciscans, he was also calling the Carmelites to carry the spirituality of Mount Carmel through, throughout the church, so the hermits became friars, and they basically, that's how the rest of the church became more invested in the Carmelite spirituality, and then one of their general superiors, St. Simon Stock, who was from England, uh, was visited by Our Lady, and that's when she gave the Order of Mount Carmel her habit, uh, so the, the scapular, and gave us powerful promises of those who carry, who wear the, uh, the, the brown scapular and who uh, live the way of the Lord Jesus. So, so maybe just to, to highlight that this history is from a real place, it's drawn right from salvation history, and it's ultimately a spirituality of, of waiting and listening. And, uh, and again, I think our culture needs that. We all need that. It, it seems like we have this frenzied pace, you know, go, 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 go. You know, it's like, and, and to have a spirituality that says, no, <laughs> right? it's like, stop, yeah. uh, rest, listen, wait, right? And be at peace while you're waiting. Uh, I think we definitely need that today. Yes. So on July 16th and 1251 is the day that Our Lady appears to St. Simon um, and says, Receive, my beloved son, this habit of thy order. This shall be to thee and to all Carmelites a privilege that whosoever dies clothed in this shall never suffer eternal fire. It shall be a sign of salvation, a protection in danger, and a pledge of peace. So a very a uh, powerful promise, but it's not magic. This is what makes me nuts when people come to say, if I just wear this, am I getting into heaven? Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> you have to, yes. it's the whole interior disposition that is surrounding the Carmelite order that is part of this, right? <clears throat> so what I think it means for people who may be off the beaten path, if you commit, to the promises that you you must undertake while wearing this scapula every day, which is the uh, the office uh, the office of a blessed uh, or a blessed mother, which can be dispensed by a priest to do the rosary. If you're doing that every day, my my hope is that the graces would permeate the person's heart to give them a true conversion, whereby they would at least get to purgatory. Don't you think it, it has to work something like that? Absolutely. In fact, similar to yourself, Father, when I hear people uh, misapply the promise of Our Lady, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I also just want to do backflips. Like, what are you talking about? Um, now I like to, to remind people that you know when we make a, a promise in in the material world, 
uh, it's very quid pro quo. So, you know, you do this, I do that. So it's a mutual exchange back and forth. It's like, okay, that's it. Again, very business-like. And I sometimes joke around and say, uh, God is a terrible businessman, <laughs> right? There, there, there is no quid pro quo. Uh, when we talk about the spiritual life, promises are different. Um, promises in the spiritual life would be like, um, I, just, I decide I want to learn how to play the piano. Uh, I start to meet with an instructor, and the instructor says to me, now listen, if you practice every day, uh, you're going to be a good pianist, Right. And and I just say, oh, this instructor said I'm going to become a good pianist. So I'm not going to practice. I'm not going to be disciplined. I'm not going to, you know, you know, spend my time on, on the piano bench and so on, because I'm going to be a good pianist because this instructor says so. Right. Well, that's gutting out the, a whole portion of what the promise is based upon. So when people say, well, no, God says, if I die wearing the scapula, I'm going to get to heaven. Well, if you're wearing the scapula and doing what you're supposed to be, then that means you're following the way of the Lord Jesus. You're trying to, you know, live a life of virtue. You're trying to nurture prayer and so on. And and that's going to be the cooperation with grace that will merit you salvation in Jesus Christ. Uh, not wearing a, a, a scapula. I mean, you know, you can imagine as as one spiritual writer said, um, how many souls are being dragged to hell by their scapulars? You know what I mean? And uh, a mere piece of wool means nothing. Wearing the piece of wool so that we're reminded to follow the Lord and to remain faithful to his way, that can help us to merit salvation in Jesus Christ. Yeah, the scapula is an outward sign of the person's individual decision to follow Jesus like Mary, to be open to God and to do his will, uh, to be guided by faith, hope, and love, to pray daily, and to, to discover and seek out God present in everything that's happening around us. If you do that every day, yeah, you're going to get to heaven. Amen. But, but you know, that's the part people sometimes miss. Not everybody, but some. Right. Uh, and you must be invested by a priest. That's the other thing that makes me nuts is when people just order these things through Amazon and they just put them on because then they don't know the responsibility. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's not able to be explained or placed within the context. I mean, you know, the, the book I, I wrote on Journey to Mount Carmel is actually a nine-day preparation I stress to people there's no official preparation time by the Carmelite order, but I, I drafted a few things just to try to help people to understand and to use their investiture in the Brown Scapular as an opportunity to kind of do an examination of, of conscience of their discipleship, to, to recommit themselves to the Lord Jesus, to Our Lady, and, and to understand what, what this means and, and, and the help that it's supposed to be. Because, right, if you just order it and you put it on, and it's like, well, then that at what point does it just become jewelry? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So uh, I will tell you this, though, uh, Father, what's interesting is we have this whole movement of young Catholics who are very much attracted to the tradition of the church. Uh, it, it, and it, it, it's um, encouraging and, and you know, call, of course, calls for some prudence in some places, but but very, very encouraging. And, and years ago, a, a college student approached me uh, after mass and, and said, um, can you um, can you put me in uh, the brown scapular? And I'm, thinking, I'm like, um, what? <laughs> what are you asking me? It's like, you know, and, and uh, so can you put me in the brown scapular? I said, what, 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 what do you mean? And he had the brown scapular he had ordered online and, and he has this and he's like, well, um, 
don't you have to be like you have to put me in this or and I, okay i said okay right, you want to be invested in the brown scapular you know he goes oh yeah yeah so okay okay good 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 because what was inspiring is this young Catholic had heard about the scapular, never been taught about it, didn't know what it was, went online, ordered it, and, and thanks be to God, was instructed to go to a priest and and just wanted an aspect of our tradition to to help him you know, live the Christian way of life. And 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 obviously it took a little bit of time to explain to him what it meant and, and asked him, do you want to be invested now or maybe you want to take some time to, to you know, reflect on this and repair and so on, you know. But, um, but I mentioned that because you know, we have to know the scapulars, we have to know, you know, what their purposes are, prepare well for them. And if any listeners just need to hear that story, because uh, we have a lot of Catholics who, younger Catholics who are dynamically in love with our faith, but they don't know what they're talking about. Uh, they really just don't know. It's like the whole tradition just was put on pause. We had a little bit of time and now we have you know, many people who are coming back to the tradition and some of the ones who are coming back to it are young Catholics who have, who've never been given it. Like they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're like novices and that's not their fault. That's it, really, that's our fault. The church's fault. Uh, and this is one of the reasons, um, you are now coming, <clears throat> excuse me, to Radio Maria. You will have a show that follows about already on Mondays and Wednesdays. And it's called Of First Importance. And it's going to be uh, a wonderful teaching mechanism about all things that are the most important to the life of a Catholic. Uh, so thank you for doing that. So that'll, And it begins on um, July 31st, which is uh, two Mondays from, from now. Very exciting. I, I, I'm over the moon uh, about this opportunity. I'm so grateful to you, Father, to Radio Maria for the opportunity of and I hope that I can just contribute to, to the good work that's already being done. Um, I'm, I'm just so excited to be uh, to, to be a partnership and working with Radio Maria. So I, I'm grateful. Thank you. Well, we're we're so happy too. And and this is going to be and it's such a great. It's a good. It's a good following because it, it it's a whole hour now of really good strong teaching, um, as you put it, uh, in kind of fleshing out what this would be, living out the revelations of God. Um, in the constant exchange between the church and the word of God and first importance will highlight this exchange and help the listeners who appreciate the movement of sacred tradition through the ages. What, what else could be of such importance in this day we live in? Amen. Amen. And I, I think that, you know, um, what, you know, listeners are already getting from, from your show and, and from other content at Radio Maria, it, it's just going to be foot stomped and, and developed in, in, uh, the show I'll, I'll be doing of first importance and, and and really just showing, you know, what it means to really accept the revelations of God, uh, the teachings of, of, of God, and to really try to live them and how that shapes everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it changes everything. And and to just kind of walk through that um, and and to help people to appreciate that. Like, you know, um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, I've already kind of started to compose um, kind of like my general notes because I don't want to try to cram everything in one show, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But but slowly develop things. But but just to show that God, you know, reveals Himself. He wants us to know who He is. Um, 
as a church, we're, we're, we're constantly going back and forth to this revelation. Revelation ended with the death of the last apostle, but but our understanding and application of that word and that, that revelation continues until the Lord returns. And, and there are things that we learn along the way that, that have always been there, like the assumption of Our Lady, right? I mean, it took us, you know, uh, you know, 1,950 years or so uh, to, to finally say, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, she really was assumed body and soul, right? Mm-hmm. It, it always been there, and, and, and Christians have always prayed to Our Lady under that title, and, and, and yet it took time. And, and how did that happen? Well, it happened by good Christians praying and, and taking the faith seriously, and, and there was this development over time, this deepening of understanding. And, and as that happens in the church, it happens in our own discipleship. Like God can say something to us in prayer that we have to unpack and we have to keep going back to uh, in order to, to slowly learn. And, and, and the waiting isn't a game. God is using the waiting as the first part of the answer so we can understand what he's given to us. So um, anyway, <laughs> you, you can tell I'm excited about this. Yeah, well, it is very exciting, and uh, it's it's the perfect time for it to start. Uh, couldn't be better timing. So um, we only have about a minute left. I just I just want to know about your own um, call to priesthood. Like, how did that happen? Yes, I first felt called when I was uh, in the fourth grade. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, I got older and had other things on my mind, and and uh, went off to the college and grad school, and then. In grad school, I was on my way to law school, um, and I said, you know, this has been on my mind and my heart all these years. I sought a priest mentor, and he said, you know, Jeff, if if, if you're going to be sincere and honest with the Lord, you have to at least, you have to answer the question whether you say no or yes. You just have to answer this question. Like, you can't leave this open. And, you know, the dangers of asking the Holy Spirit to speak and, and, and opening that door, because we open the door and he just kicks it wide open, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that led to me promising one year, and needless to say, that one year led to seminary, and now to uh, almost sixteen years of priesthood. Thanks be to God. So um, the Lord has been very patient with me. That's amazing. Okay, so uh, first importance begins July thirty first, following battle ready at uh, oh, what would be nine thirty Central, ten thirty Eastern. Father, will you give us your blessing? May Almighty God bless you. May He grant you His peace and healing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with us. This is Father Dan signing off.